listening to Thunder Radio, the podcast of the Manitoba First Nations Education Resource Centre. And welcome to Thunder Radio, everyone. Today in the studio, we have with us Betty Linksleg, who is a research facilitator here at the centre. And so welcome here. We're happy to have you. She's here to talk about a specific project that she's working on. But before we do that, I'll just uh, have you introduce yourself, Betty, and tell us a little bit about what you do here. Well, thank you for inviting me to do this podcast. I think it's very important that we get the message out there on what uh, research and development is currently doing. I'm a research facilitator here currently and have been a researcher before. Um, My role is to facilitate the First Nations curriculum, the development, and to present it out in the local communities for feedback and to develop it further with working groups and so that we get um, a document that is community-based and also one that's um, based on languages, the five languages in Manitoba. So, Okay, great. So for those who don't know, I'll um, have you just tell us what is the First Nations curriculum framework? Well, the framework the is just that. It's just a framework um, for First Nations curriculum to begin developing uh, something that's more identity-based, culturally-based, language-driven, and on the land. So going back to traditional methods um, for teaching and learning, and going back to experiential learning, hands-on, that sort of thing, and based on on, uh, land-based teachings through the language, and really building students' uh, identity so that they know who they are, where they come from, and so that they can take themselves to a better place in the future, stronger, uh, knowing their history, and being able to speak to their issues in um, a very comprehensive way, and uh, to teach the public, really, I guess, of our our distinctiveness, and, and for them to know that. Hmm. And MFNERC has been working on this for a while now, a few, a few years, as I understand. Um, so maybe can you describe the steps that have been taken so far? Sure. Um, it was started in 2015, and we started without any funding because we don't have funding per se from Indigenous Affairs for curriculum development. So MFNERC responded to a call that was made back in the early 70s through Wabung, and it was in Wabung that the leadership wanted a First Nations curriculum comparable to the provincial, and so that that would that curriculum would be based on identity, culture, language. Um, kids would know where they are and be proud of that, be able to speak to their history, and be able to educate others in the public. So MFNERC is res- responding to that. And so the first year, we re- didn't have any funding. So what we did was we um, asked the staff of the center to help us and guide us with the document. We called the, all the staff in for four times through that one year. And they provided the, um, I guess, the foundation for the document, the, the uh, areas, the themes, and the principles that came out of it. And so um, after we developed that draft, we started taking it out to the communities and to get that perspective on and uh, to authenticate the information that was in there. So we met with um, language groups. We had regionals uh, in the north and the south and we got um, some feedback there and we're also doing um, language groups. We met with the various language groups to get um, their feedback on the document that was drafted 
and now we're out in the community levels um, presenting it at the schools and to community members to get their feedback and to get their perspective on whether they would use that framework in developing their own local curriculum or if they would um, take it further beyond that. And so we've gotten a very good response uh, from all stakeholders. You know, there's, uh, you know, with everything else, there's a few people that say it needs to be improved and we welcome that because criticism only makes it better. And so we ask for critical dialogue when we go out to the communities for them to be critical because we want the document to be original and we want it from their perspective. So it's not coming from our perspective, we're just the developers. It's really the driving force is coming from our staff and from our stakeholders at the community level, whether that be language groups or in the school or you know, parents, grandparents, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll have you uh, mention if you're hearing some common themes like out in the community visits that you're doing, are there certain things that people have said that they want um, in this curriculum? It's the same as what was said in Wapang years ago. It's been decades in coming. And what people are saying is that they are, um, they like it. They, it's about time is, mm -hmm. is the yeah. common um, feedback that we get is about time and they're going to use the framework in developing local curriculum which is and some of the communities are more advanced than others so they're just ready to jump on and start developing and getting their working groups locally language is another common um, thread that we hear and that is to use the language because the culture is embedded in the language and so with the rate of loss that we're having in the areas of language that's a critical piece to the curriculum is, is language. And um, of course the whole history and the identity and, and understanding what happened through our history and the oppression that came with it and all the various aspects in changing our identity came through um, enforced policy from colonial governments and that sort of thing. So if kids know what happened to, the, to their people, they're their knowledge to speak about it is um, just more enhanced and they don't have to wait to till they're in university to get all this information like many of us older people did. We didn't know really, I speak for myself on the Indian Act and the treaties. Well, I knew about the treaties, but I didn't know exactly what was the technical pieces of the treaties. But, um, and I didn't know that till university. So we don't want our mm -hmm. kids that to know that. We want them to be able to speak to it even in the early years. And so we're developing resources that will go from early years right to grade 12 and to hit all the dynamics through the different levels. And so we have little ones talking about treaties too mm, yeah. and, and their identity and getting them on the land and using their language. Mm, yeah, and uh, what steps are still needed to be taken to, I guess, complete the project? Although it sounds like it's a very fluid project that will just keep evolving as time goes this on. This is just the beginning, yeah. yeah. This is the beginning. So um, we all, our document is only in draft. So it's a working draft. Um, the draft that we did take out uh, needs revision. And we're getting a lot of feedback from the communities, our stakeholders, on how it should be revised, what's missing, and what we still need to do in completing it. So the project is geared to uh, wind down 2020. But I don't see it happening 2020. Probably just the framework would be completed. And from there, we're going to see a lot of community development. 
because the communities are excited and they want to develop their own history um, and they want to develop their own curriculum so their kids are speaking their language, their dialect, getting the knowledge from their elders and their culture and their community. So it's going to go way beyond 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on that note, um, I was wondering if you could describe how um, you envision a class with a curriculum. Uh, what what will it look like? I, I think maybe specifically how will it help First Nations young people? You've mentioned a couple things, but maybe just expand a little bit. Well, I think um, the trend, and it's just not us, it's just not First Nations, but I think the the nation and even globally, people are moving towards land-based education. It's yeah. it's a growing trend everywhere. Yeah, um, I just recently seen um, a university in the Northwest Territories that are looking to grant degrees on land. And, and oh. that's basically them right on the land, not in a classroom learning about land. So we would hope to see that element happening where kids are out on the land, they're reconnecting, they're reestablishing that relationship with their ecosystem to recognize the traditional philosophies we've always carried that we are not above the land, we are not above the ecosystem, we are only a part of it. Mm -hmm. And we were given as indigenous peoples the responsibility to look after the land. So if the kids can carry that in into the classroom and practice that on the land and then take that into their own personal life, take that home, we would hope that uh, that would generate, um, I guess, more... I don't know if I want to say healing, but it's um, a way to get back to where we were and to recognize um, all the good qualities we have in ourselves as Indigenous peoples and, and the contributions we've made. Um, teachers will need to be trained because we have, not all our teachers are First Nation, mm-hmm. and so we have to share that knowledge with our educators. And we've gotten good response from the educators you know, people are excited, even with um, non-Native teachers. They, they want to get on board. They want to learn it. And uh, we hold a philosophy that if we can share our, our teachings, you know, more wor- worldwide or even within all of our schools, whoever's teaching, it just makes it the, the world a better place and, you know, helps to protect our planet. That's just one way, but um, they'll also learn our languages, too. So we not only learn their language, but we're sharing that reciprocal relationship is there. Um, As far as kids learning per se, I think that there would have to be in the beginning some kind of bridging to happen between the provincial and the First Nations curriculum. We're not sure exactly how that's going to flow out because it's an evolutionary process. We call it a green curriculum, right? Because it's ever growing and it's it's changing and it's, it's evolving and adapting as we move in throughout the community. So even the framework that we have now is going to change a bit. Mm-hmm. So at the end result, when the community gets down to doing their curriculum, it will be really based on the community's uh, knowledge and their traditional philosophies and their culture, which will translate into teachers that are not from the community being better um, informed and have a better relationship with the community because they're going to have to work together to understand what that is and build a curriculum from there. And so kids are going to be able to speak to their own history even locally, you know, when they um, leave their local school. That's that's the hope. Mm-hmm. Has anything like this been done anywhere else or is Manitoba 
Are I we breaking ground here? <laughs> Manitoba is the leader, um, just like the center. No one else has a center like ours, yeah. right, in yeah. the country. So this project, um, I haven't seen a, pr a provincial-wide First Nations curriculum being developed before. Uh, we're, the, we're leading in that area. And um, I'm not saying that we're, we are the first ones doing it because there's pockets here and there of curriculum that is culturally based. But when we're moving through a whole province with five different languages and specific cultural knowledge that's community-based, not mm -hmm. even language totally based, but then it's, you know, everybody's different at their local level, we're going to see that it's going to be quite dynamic. And really the end result is totally still unknown yet mm -hmm. because it's an evolutionary process and we're leaving it to the community's ownership, right? We're, we practice um, the OCAP principles, which is community control, access, and protection of their knowledge. So this curriculum is really for them. We develop the framework as a guide and that is to spur interest and to also um, develop those local working groups so that we can see local curriculum in tune and then building up to a provincial model so how it will end up, we don't know, but we do have certain visions for it. Yeah, yeah, of course. And if someone is listening to this and wants more information or wants to be involved, maybe in a working group, um, what should they do? They should contact us at Research and Development, primarily our director, Violet Okimau. Mm -hmm. And if there's interest out there, we certainly would like to get in touch with you. Mm -hmm. And is there anything else you wanted to add about the project? Well, just that it's um, a dynamic project that we're, it's a first time response to Wabang. So it's a historic document as well and a historic um, process. And if anybody wants to get involved, we sure would like to get you involved and please come and see us. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here and talking about the project. I learned a lot about it that I didn't know. So I'm sure people listening will as well. So thank you. You're welcome.